Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So I'd like to introduce to you guys my father, the bald eagle himself, Pastor RJ. Yeah, so he's going to come up and speak on being lukewarm. Let's give it up, Pastor RJ. I love my daughter. So my children have this thing in their phones so that when dad is calling, it doesn't say dad is calling. It says the bald eagle. I'm not quite sure how that started, although I can guess it has to do with this. Yes. Well, it's good to see all of you. It's been a while since we've... Uh, been back here and up on the stage. And uh, I was thinking first service, I was like, man, it's been a while since I spoke. I wonder if I can remember how. It's not quite like riding a bike, but that's okay. As I get ready to go into the message, though, um, we did have a nice time out east. Um, I'll tell you, there's nowhere else in the world you can uh, do tidal bore surfing except, I think, the Shuby River when the tide comes in at the Bay of Fundy. Uh, it's an experience, man. That was great, uh, surfing those waves on the Zodiac. Uh, we did enjoy Hopewell Rocks, and my wife really enjoyed uh, Green Gables uh, near Lucy Montgomery's place, and uh, had a couple lobster rolls and a, a lobster, and even got to eat with Pastor Ted and Gloria. It was, it was, it was a good trip. Okay. <clears throat> Bus ministry. Um, really, today is the last day. If you know someone that needs a ride here, or if you are thinking you need a ride here, you should call and let us know that. Please encourage people to do that real soon. Um, there hasn't been a lot of people calling for rides. I, I don't want to uh, have the energy of putting a bus out there for one person or two people. So we want to we wanna try to get, if people need rides, we'll gladly provide them. But we need to know that people need rides. Um, culturally, as a church, one of the things that we've been shifting a little bit is um, if you want to attend an event, we'd like you to sign up for the event. How many know that if you want to go to the theater, you buy a ticket for the theater before all the tickets are sold out? No? Yes? And if you wait too long, all the tickets are sold out. And guess what? They look at you and say, the next show will be at this time. So when we are presenting you with opportunities for some of the things we're doing, like the encounter that's coming up, don't procrastinate and put it off. If you want to go to the encounter, sign up for the encounter. And say, I would like to be there. And make a commitment. It's a big C word. Commitment. How many have a hard time making commitments? Okay. Growth opportunity. Um, additionally, if you're new in the church, um, not engaged somewhere, not serving somewhere, All Things WCF will be running October 2nd, 9 a.m. Please mark your calendar. We'd love to see you there. Um, highly advantageous. So here at the church, Windsor Christian Fellowship, our vision is redeeming our communities. We, God's people, want to partner with him and help him as he redeems the people to himself from all peoples. 
That's really the mission of Jesus was to redeem mankind back to himself. And we have some values by which we accomplish this. Um, they revolve around our identity in Christ, uh, living a mature Christian life, and the mission that Jesus has given us. And, and those three words that I just gave you are directly linked to the great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the great commission, which is to go and take the good news about Jesus and share it with others. And the truth is, um, your identity with Christ, which we're going to talk a little bit about today, and your maturity in Christ, which we're going to talk about today, are very closely linked to the great commandment. And the truth is, if you don't know who you are or why God's got you here, you're never going to accomplish the mission, that he's, the assignment that he's placed upon your life. And all of these are rooted in relationship with God and with people. Now, our purpose to equip the body for everyday discipleship, my job and the job of all of the people that spoke while we were gone away on vacation, and they did an exceptional job. I don't think WCF missed a, meet, a beat while we were gone. I think it was better and better because you had multiple gifts adding value to the body and investing in you to equip you so that you could do the work of the ministry. Uh, and we equip the body for everyday discipleship, which means that our job is to go make disciples who make disciples, not to make people who say a prayer and show up at church sometimes. Right. Yeah. You tracking with me? We want biblical Christianity, not some watered-down version of North American Christianity. Oh, that's good. Are we awake, or was that just landed hard? <laughs> okay. Lukewarm is my message today. It's a great exciting message. It's going to challenge you. Um, lukewarm is only found one time in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. They read it. The Adonisian family read it for us earlier. And one author refers to that word lukewarm in Revelations 3 as unstable identity. Because when you don't know who you are, who God made you to be, how are you ever going to operate with confidence in what he's called you to do? as his son or his daughter. Francis Chan says, lukewarm Christians don't really want to be saved from their sins. They just want to be saved from the consequence of their sins. Hmm. How many people, they mess up so they go to God and say, God, please take away the consequence of my bad decision. They're not interested in getting free from the life of sin that's causing the bad decisions and causing the pain and suffering. They just want the bad decision, the consequence to go away. If you knew how many people I sit with, you know, if person A goes out and has an affair in their marriage on their spouse, then they sit in the office and of course they're sorry they don't want their spouse to leave them because that would create pain and suffering and hardship, especially financially. They don't want that. But the truth is, if they feared God, they should have thought about that long before they made this decision over here. And I'm not here to throw stones, but what I'm saying is we go to God, we don't repent for the sin, we repent for the consequence of the sin. We got it backwards in the church sometimes. And anyone that tells you you repent of sin because you want to get free from the consequence of sin, we repent of sin because God hates sin and we hate sin, so therefore we want to walk in freedom from sin. You doing okay? Tracking with me? Welcome back. Go on vacation more. <laughs> J.D. Greer, 
Lukewarm Christians are those people who sit in churches and believe the message of the gospel, but they're not really sold out to Jesus and not meaningfully engaged in his mission. That hits home for some. Are you 100% sold out for Jesus? Are you engaged in the assignment that he has upon your life? Are you doing what he, are you being obedient to God's call upon your life? We'll find out by the end of the message. But I want to put a caveat in here. I do not want anyone to confuse immature with people lack they to God to their life. They're in this process of learning and growing. When you are new to the faith, there's it to fit in the world. There is the milk concepts, the basic concepts of Christianity. You have people that will mentor you and guide you and help you through that process till you come to the place where you can start hearing the voice. And he speaks to us through his revealed word, his written word, the Bible, through to our heart. And so many people never maturity. God instructs them to do in being obedient. They stay immature. Or people get to the place of obedient, then they get Christian thing, they become Are we doing okay? One lacks knowledge and experience, the other lacks a lukewarm person. And I want to talk about this concept that I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to I'm calling it the divine spark. The presence of life produces lukewarm present in your life. You will be on fire for God. You will you will be cold, but you won't be in between. That does not change the way you live. So if you have faith in God and it doesn't change the way that you live every day, I'm talking to you in a microphone, and I have belief. When I speak, this phone will send a signal through the wire into the path. It goes into the board. The amplification system is powering the speakers. It makes my voice loud. This is what you get. You don't, the microphone's going to do it. You can hear. When I played soccer, I'm a little older now, I play pickleball. Striker. It would see me playing defense to get the ball out of the defensive end through the neutral zone to the. Things to watch is a coach who doesn't understand and puts one five defense in the defensive zone because they got all their players back there our life, and if we trust God to do what he says he's going to do and to be who he says our lives, it's going to be something that does not change the way that you live, it's dead. If someone claims to have faith, mere claim or genuine faith produces good works. Keep warm and feed yourselves, but does not, so too, faith, if it does good works, is what save you. Jesus did that at the cross. He purchased your salvation with his blood. However, if you love Christ and are fully submitted to him, the byproduct of that will automatically be good works. In any other conclusion that you come to, you've deceived yourself or you've believed a lie. Because the Bible is very clear when it says faith without corresponding actions is useless. If there's not a lifestyle change when you've given your life to Christ, if your lifestyle does not change, and if you do not start doing things according to good works, there's been no heart change. That's what the scriptures say. Someone might say, you claim to have faith and I have good works. Show me your alleged faith without the works. If you can, and I will show you my faith by my works. That is by what I do. 
You believe that God's one. You do well to believe that. Now catch this. The demons also believe that and shudder and bristle in off-field terror. They have seen his wrath. In other words, I talk to people all the time. Oh, I believe in God. Oh, that's nice. So do the demons and they're terrified. I think more Christians need to be terrified of God in a holy, awesome kind of way. Are you willing to recognize, you foolish, spiritually shallow person, that faith without good works is useless? We need to have an understanding. If we profess faith in Christ, automatically we should be doing good works. It's a natural byproduct of the heart change that takes place inside of us when we give our life to Christ. Any other operation of that? In other words, if no good works follow your profession of faith, it's a mental assent to the gospel. You acknowledge God, but there's no lifestyle change. There's no heart change. You're lukewarm. 1 Peter chapter 1, 3-9. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we've been born again. But because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be received on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure how many trials? Many trials for a little while. This life is but a vapor. We endure trials in this life. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. In the book of Revelation that they read for us at the beginning, it talks very specifically about the church, the Laodicean church that was rich. They were wealthy. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But he says the way out of it is by gold for me. What's the, way, what's the gold he's talking about here? It's the faith that produces right living, the faith that produces holiness, the faith that produces righteousness, right living, right standing with God. So these trials that we walk through, and if you're alive in 2022, you will have trials as a Christ follower. It's going to happen. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you don't see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with glorious and expressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Now, I want to break this down a little bit because it's talking about, it says you're rich. If I was to ask you, do you think you're rich? If I was to ask you, what is wealth? If I was to ask you if you have enough, if your needs are met, Pew Research did a study a few years ago on global household income. That means income per household or family. Whether you're a household of one or a household of eight, they went by global averages for households. And they broke it down from poor 
up to high income or, or wealthy, okay? I want to I explain something to you. If I was to take you and put you in a room with 99 other humans from all over the planet, okay, that's one in a hundred. You're one in a hundred. Does everyone say this? I want to I wanna, I wanna go through an exercise here and show you something. The poor, globally, household income, which is 15 of those people out of that 100 in the room with you, 15% of the world's population live on less than $2 US per day. $60 a month. That's what they live on. The low income, which is the bulk of the Earth's population, 56%. So right now, just with the poor and the low income, I'm at 71%. They live on between 61 and 300 US dollars a, a day. Sorry, I did that wrong. A month. $2.01 and one cent to $10 a day, which is 61 to $300 a month. That's the low income. 56% of the world's population, so 56 of the people in the room with you make between $2.01 and $10 US a day, equaling 61 to $300 a month. The middle income, the $10.01 to $20 a day, is 13% of the world's population. 84% of the people in the world live on between $305 a month and $600 a month. 86% of the world's population. If your take-home income for your household is more than $600 a month, you are in the top 14% of the world's population by income. Upper middle income, 9% of the population. They make $20 to $50 a day, $608 a month, up to about, I don't know, $1,500 a month. My daughter, Abigail, who works at Chick-fil-A, sorry if everyone got confused, she doesn't own it, she works there. As a part-time student, working two or three shifts a week, not even counting her household, she is in the top 14 to 16% of the world's population all by herself, and she's not even done school yet. My daughter's had a productive summer. She fast-tracked her education and got an extra credit. She finished her in-classroom in for her driver's ed. She's about to get her grade seven in piano. She plays on her soccer team. We live in a privileged world here in Canada. We are rich. God has blessed us beyond compare. And I'd be willing to bet that most of the households in this room fall into the high income, which is $50 a day or more, 7% of the world's population, meaning that your take-home income for your household is just over $1,521 a month. Some of you make that a week. 
7% of the world's population lives like that. Revelation 3.17, you say I'm rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That does not sound like language used to describe saints. Christ followers, wretched, poor, naked, blind, miserable. That's not language used to describe Christ's followers. I find it really interesting. A little bit later in that same context, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking to the church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. That's us. How many think you're a mature believer? Just answer in your head. I don't need to know. It's not a trick question. Romans 5.12 amplified. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. That means every single person in this room is going to stand before God one day. And you're going to have to answer to him how you lived life. And he is not going to let anyone else's decisions, what they did to you, what they said to you, how they tried to pull you down, how they offended you, how they mistreated you, the hurt, none of those excuses will hold any water. God sent his son Jesus to earth to die for you. He made a way for you. He told you to forgive. Just like he forgave you, you forgive others. No excuses will hold any weight on that day. And you're going to have to answer to God for this. Your heart, your relationship with him. In Matthew 25, it starts. Jesus is talking about the wise and the foolish bridesmaids. The foolish ones, oh yeah, Jesus is my friend. But they didn't live like they knew him. They were more concerned about their own comfort than they were their relationship that he had called them to. In other words, they serve Christ when it's convenient for them to serve Christ, not when it costs them something. And when he came back, they weren't prepared because they weren't in relationship. And they got left behind. I find it interesting. There was 10 and five weren't ready. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. That's half. You are responsible for your relationship with Christ, period. And if you are not in relationship with him, and if that is not a priority in your life, you have to ask yourself the question, am I on fire for God? Am I in refreshing with his spirit? Or am I lukewarm? Am I complacent? He goes on in Matthew 25 and he talks about the sheep and the goats. He talks about the talents, your treasure, your time, your gifting. Malachi talks about how God was angry with the nation of Israel because they gave them their leftovers, not their best. And they tried to justify it. 
In other words, God, the creator of the universe, demanded sacrifice. And in the old covenant, it was a spotless, perfect lamb without blemish. And the Israelites started sacrificing the sick and the crippled and the decrepit lambs. They weren't giving God the best. They were giving him the leftover. And so many times we do that here in North America. We pay all our bills and we do all the things we want to do. And then we give God what's left, if there's anything left. If you cannot even do the basic thing, like give God a 10% of your income, how are you ever going to find anything in your budget to take care of the poor? How are you going to find anything in your budget to give people that need clothing, clothing? The whole context of the sheep and the goats was the ones who gave to the poor, the ones who gave clothing, the ones who took people in, the ones who went and visited them in prison and showed kindness to those that didn't have as much as they did. They were the ones that Jesus was addressing, saying, if you did it to the least of these, my brother, then you did it to me. In the goats that Jesus said, get away from me, I didn't know you were the ones that couldn't treat their fellow man with the same respect and dignity that Jesus asked them to do so. They weren't even obeying the great commandment. They weren't loving their neighbor as themselves. And we come into churches and we sit and we listen to a message and we say, yes, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. But the truth is God has already blessed you. God has already saved you and given you everything you need to be successful in this life and to overcome. But we get our priorities because we're comfortable. If you're not serving in the king, if you're not giving God your time, if you're not stewarding the talent that God has placed inside of you, you're lukewarm. God said he's going to spit you out. I didn't say it, he did. You see, Matthew 25, 26, and 27. The master replied, you're wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest because he took his gift and he hid it in the ground. He took the talent that God gave him and he buried it. So God took it and gave it to someone else. And so many times we compare ourselves to one, don't do that. Maturity, I asked you, who thinks they're mature? Are you listening to God's voice and are you obeying? Are you doing what he has already revealed to you in his written word, the Bible? Are you just obeying that? And then are you listening to his voice and being obedient day by day? Too many people come into the church and they said, did you know that in our local community of believers, there should be no lack? That means that everyone should have enough to eat Everyone should have clothing and everyone should have a roof over their head. The bills will be paid and we'll be able to send money to missions so that we can fund the spreading of the word of God globally. And oh, by the way, do you know that each and every one of you has been commanded by God to be a missionary and go tell others about Jesus? And if you are sitting in a chair today listening to me talk and you haven't told someone about Jesus recently, you're lukewarm. Love you, but you're lukewarm. Because the mandate on the church is to take the message of hope to others. 
That is what God tells us that we have to do. If we're being obedient to what he's already revealed to us, go and make disciples who make disciples. If we're just sitting there listening to messages, hoping we feel better about ourselves when we leave, we got it backwards. We got it wrong. We're rich. We don't need anything. The truth is, if in your prayer life you don't depend on Jesus for the next step, you might have some confidence misplaced in yourself. We all do it. But I know, God, every time I have to come up here, God, if you don't show up, it's going to be a short service. If you don't have something to say, it's not happening. We have to learn to depend on the Holy Spirit and his power inside of our lives. If you're not spending time with your creator, you might be lukewarm. If you're not sowing finances in the kingdom, lukewarm. If you're not serving somewhere, lukewarm. Do you know that in the church, every bill should be paid? Do you know that in the church, every volunteer opportunity should be filled and there should be a waiting list for people to get in? Do you know that every gift should be utilized and activated within the congregation? No one will ever tell me that I am not faithful to that part of the mandate of equipping the body of Christ that's on my life. Because when I see a gift on your life, I will do everything in my power to activate you in that direction, happily. There was a young couple that ministered a few weeks ago while I was on vacation. Did a fantastic job, Luke and Jade. The others did great too, but saw the gift on their life. Hey guys, how can we activate this? Let's do this. They stepped into their role and the body of Christ gets blessed. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works and not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know what that tells me? Some people neglect getting together with their fellow believers. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews, we should do that more as the day of the Lord is approaching, as the day of the Lord is getting near. We need each other more. We need community more than we ever have. We need each other for encouragement. We need each other because we're stronger together. Yet average church attendance in North America is about what? Once a month? Every five weeks? You shouldn't just be here on Sunday. You should be here on Wednesday and in your connect group and in your prayer meeting online. And it mystifies me. Wednesday nights, they do activation night. It's Holy Spirit. We activate people in their gifts and give people an opportunity to step out in faith. There's prayer nights. There's Holy Spirit nights like I think they're going to do this Wednesday. There's a night of worship where you can come and just get in the presence of God, forget about life for a while and just worship the King. We do some instruction on how the church is supposed to live scattered. We have conversations about this. I would think there should be more people here on a Wednesday night than a Sunday morning because why? The presence of God. We want the activation of the Holy Spirit. Let's see, take some steps in that direction. But we're busy. We've got other commitments. And look, I know. Not everybody can come to everything. I'm just saying, in your heart, 
Are you living for God 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Or do you live for God on Sunday morning and then the rest of the time you do what you want and you're frustrated because he's not answering your prayers how you think he should? I'm just asking the question. Stand with me, and I'm going to talk about this while we stand. If you are seeking the manifestation of the Spirit and not the face of God, you're lukewarm. It's not about the oohs and the ahs. It's not about the powerful signs and wonders, and they're nice. And they're a byproduct of people that are committed to Christ. That means in your day-to-day life, if you're not seeing the power of the Spirit, you got to stop and ask yourself the question, why am I not seeing the the Spirit of God demonstrated in power in my life? You know, we're starting to get there corporately where we're starting to see this one's raised up and this healing's happening and this relationship gets restored and this happens. But the truth is, we're not seeing it to the degree that we want to see it yet. Which leads me to believe that as a body, we're not quite to where God wants us to be. (sighs) Holiness, repentance, righteousness. The Bible says, the way out of lukewarm This is to buy gold refined in the fire, which is your faith that's going through testing. It talks about the white robe, righteousness, and repentance for our apathy and our failure to be obedient to what God has called us to do. And then he talks about get balm from me. And the truth is the Laodiceans sold the best eye balm in the world in their day. God's using that as a spiritual principle that only through him will the eyes of your heart be illuminated, that you could see the truth. And God help us all for the times that we deceive ourselves into believing lies because of our comfort. So I'm gonna start praying in a second, but as I pray, I want you to know that the altar will be open and if you are feeling conviction, I'm not here to condemn you with the word, but conviction where the spirit of God is prompting you that, you know what? I might not be doing what God has called me to do. If God's addressing your heart in any way, you are welcome to come down here as a point of contact and cry out. And it's in repentance that we get the mercy that's required. And I tell people this all the time. It's by acknowledging the truth of our condition plus the mercy of God that the stain of sin gets revealed, removed from our life. You gotta be honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, you're gonna live with the stain of sin. So Father, I pray right now for our congregation, for our local body of believers. Lord, as we have the bread in our hands, we know that we do this to remember you and your sacrifice for us. And God, I don't, I don't think that you died only to save us from our sin. 
you wanted us to be in relationship with you. And Lord, you put your power inside of your people so that we can live a, a changed life, a transformed life, a righteous life. God, I thank you that we can put aside the cares of this world, the lust of the flesh, the desire of our eyes and even our own pride. And we can fall down before you and ask for your mercy and grace in our lives. Lord, in the areas that we have been deficient, help us to activate faith and take steps in that direction so that we can serve you with a pure heart. Father, I thank you that in your brokenness, you laid a way for us to be whole. And Lord, true biblical Christianity, Christ followers, people who are obedient to your words and your commands, we take on your nature and your character and we go and we tell others about you, unashamed. Today, Father, let courage come into the hearts of your people. And I thank you that as we're obedient, you release us from the curse today in Jesus' name. And as we have the cup in our hands, the blood of the new covenant. Jesus, your blood made a way for us to obtain forgiveness of sins. Lord, your word is the only thing that breaks up the hardness in our heart. Lord, I thank you that as your word has gone forth today, that it's going to find some good ground in some hearts so that it can produce good fruit. Father, I ask you right now that you will transform every lukewarm heart into one that is on fire for you. Lord, that you're going to transform every lukewarm heart, but it's through obedience, through repentance. So Lord, as we come to the table today with your, with your blood, I thank you that we release all those who have sinned against us. We receive your forgiveness, and with clean hands and a pure heart, we can receive from you all that we need to overcome the challenges that this life presents to us. Lord, it's not about our agenda, but your agenda. We want your plan, your mission. Help us to love the lost. Let our hearts beat like yours for the lost. Lord, rekindle the passion for the lost in the hearts of your people today. Rekindle. And we repent as a body for not being obedient to your command. In Jesus' name. Norman Jacqueline. Thank you, Pastor, for that sobering message. I wish that you were either hot or cold. When I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking about how the character of God is completely something or completely not something. He's good and there's no evil in him. He's light and there's no darkness in him. He's life, there's no death in him. Uh, he's truth and there's, there's no deception in him. Culture today wants to say, you know, everything's kind of on a spectrum and we choose where we fit on a spectrum. Serving God is not a spectrum activity. Um, it requires our complete submission, our complete obedience.
Well, that's the second time we've heard this message, and it's just as tough the second time. But um, we need to be thankful as a church that we have pastors that are willing to speak God's word in truth and love and not just give us what our tickling ears would want. So as I mentioned in the first service, um, doing the benediction and getting up here isn't exactly something that we wanted to do. I fought God on it for a while, and it's interesting because a lot of things he's calling us to do are not behind the scenes, which we would prefer to be. Um, but as the pastor was speaking, it's, it's about if you're really serving God and you really want to please him, you're going to be obedient to what he asks you to do, even if he's calling you to do something uncomfortable. And for the benediction, they give us about a week's notice. We don't know what the pastors are going to be speaking about. Um, and I always find it amazing because I take it very seriously when we come before him and we pray, what, Lord, do you want me to say to the people? What are you going to put on my heart? Um, because I want to be obedient. I want to only say what he wants me to say. And I'm always amazed every single time it ties in. And so what I'm going to be reading is 1 John chapter 2, 15, 16. Do not love this world or the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Thank you, Father, for your word that is true and endures forever. Lord, as a people, we ask for your forgiveness. For in North America, we have called ourselves blessed. And you have blessed us, but it's according to your will and your purpose. But we have put our hope in our political leaders, our finances, our possessions, and even our own qualifications. We've lusted after the things of the flesh, after other gods. And now in your great love and mercy, you're slowly stripping these things away. Let each one of us fully examine ourselves to see whether our faith is genuine. Help us to turn from our indifference and give us strength to overcome this world and all its pleasures. For we choose, as your church, to fully submit ourselves to you and everything that we have, for everything belongs to the Lord. Long ago, you asked your children to serve you in sincerity and faithfulness, to put away the gods that their fathers served. You said, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. You still ask this of your children today. Whom are we going to serve? Father, we pray with our hearts opened and with no indifference that everyone here would cry out, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God bless you, WCF. You've been equipped. Go be to church. <laughs> 